Well, hello. Welcome back to Dark Stories from the Campfire. For this episode, we have a chilling story about a young girl's surreal encounter with a toy maker. So settle in as we present to you, Here We Create Monsters. Natalie lay on the grass looking up at the circle of trees, framing the setting sun, and dreamed. She wondered what it would be like to be a bird perched high above, looking across the top of the forest, or a small creature swinging from branch to branch, stopping from time to time to nibble on a leaf or two before setting off again, and at night finding a comfortable notch to curl up into, tightly pulling her body together to fight off the evening cold. For several minutes she lay on the grass, letting her mind wander, till she was positive it was time to be heading home. Sitting up, she brushed the leaves and grass from her shoulders and arms, then rubbed her eyes and took a deep breath. It was here, as she began to rise herself up, that she noticed something in the tree line move. Not quickly, mind you, not like an animal trying to escape detection, but something thin, green, and hunched over. Natalie squinted, trying to focus more on the spot she thought the figure was. However, whatever was there moments before was now gone, How peculiar, Natalie said to herself. She left the forest and made her way home, stopping every now and then to look back and deep into the trees, hoping to catch a glimpse of the figure again. And much to her disappointment, though, whatever it was she thought she saw did not make another appearance, and Natalie spent the rest of the walk letting her fingers caress the tall grass next to the dirt roadway. Natalie wondered what it would be like to be small enough to live in the grass, The tall blades the only world you would ever know, day and night. It wasn't long before Natalie returned home, which was the main reason why she picked that spot in the woods. It afforded her the solitude she needed from time to time, but was close enough where she felt the safest. She opened the front door to find her parents sitting in the living room chatting, a newspaper neatly folded on the table before them. Both turned to smile to Natalie as she entered the house, and watched as she kicked the last of the dirt from her shoes on the doormat. Pleasant time? her mother asked. Splendid, Natalie answered back. Her parents returned to their conversation as Natalie made her way upstairs to her room, where, after flipping on the radio, she threw herself onto the bed and stretched out. Natalie never cared too much about the radio or what was coming from the small speakers framing the two wooden knobs in the center. She only had touched the turning knobs once since she had received it as a gift years ago. It was only to find the Clara station on their radio. Every now and then, music would emanate from the small device, but towards dusk, when the sun was at its lowest before vanishing, the voices would come on. There were two of them, the voices, and they always seemed intensely concerned about the local affairs having to do with the small town in which they resided. The same town, as it were that was located about a mile and a half from the house Natalie and her parents lived in. The voices went back and forth, at times angrily and at other times jokingly. All the while, Natalie lay on her bed with her eyes closed, listening to the voices. But then one of them said something that made her take notice. Sitting upright on the edge of her bed, Natalie stared at the radio, finally listening to what they were saying. It just opened, the first voice said. You mean where old Henry's hardware store was? The second voice asked. Yes, the same place, the first answered. Well, I'm sure that will make many a child happy then, the second voice said with great enthusiasm. Yeah, and get this, the first continued. 
on the outside there is a banner that reads, Dreams are made here. The voices went on, but Natalie was no longer listening, as her mind was now racing. Dreams are made here, she thought to herself. Throwing herself back in the bed, she repeated the phrase again and again in her head, and wondered what it meant. The next morning, Natalie was determined to find out, and no sooner had she woken up and dressed as she was out the door, pedaling her bike as fast as she could towards town. The establishment the two voices were talking about the night prior was easy enough to track down, for one only had to follow the crowd making their way to one store in particular in the center of town. But as Natalie rode closer to the front of the store, and the crowd itself, she was surprised at how quiet they were all were being. And when she finally found herself facing the store, she instantly realized why, as she too was mesmerized by what she saw. The front of the store was almost nothing at first glance, but when you leaned over to one side, thin strings of colored light cascaded down the side. And when you leaned over to the other side, bolts of blue electricity scattered along the wall. It wasn't long before Natalie found herself quiet as the rest swaying back and forth. And between these two artistic wonders was a tall arched doorway made of stone, and above that carved into what looked like an unfurled scroll made of stone, red, and bold print. Dreams are made here. As the town clock struck nine, large wooden doors within the stone archway opened, and the crowd, finally breaking away from the dazzling display, poured into the store, where they were greeted by sounds of whistles, melodies, and mechanical whirls from small figures walking along the many tabletops. In the center of it all stood a man of medium height, with hair neatly combed and parted. When asked, he simply referred to himself as the toy maker. Upon entering the store, Natalie stood there, frozen, taking it all in. The walls lined with seemingly random swirls of varying shades of brown, and growing from the floor, deep brown columns that when reaching the ceiling beam splintered out into branches with their ends disappearing into the wood around it. Just like a tree, Natalie thought to herself. She made her way around the store like the other guests, watching metal birds sing songs to each other, mechanical children leapfrog over each other, and forever attached couples dancing gracefully to beautiful melody being played by a small animatronic quartet. It was all too much to take in, and the toy maker forever surrounded by throngs of people desperately seeking answers to the questions and how all this was possible. The toy maker patiently answered all the questions that was thrown at him, gave demonstrations, and at one point even opened a toy to reveal the mechanics inside. This quieted many of the people surrounding him, and little by little people stopped asking questions and lost themselves within the other guests moving from table to table. At one point, as Natalie watched circus performers jump through rings, the toy maker came up to her and asked, would you like to see the first toy I ever made? Natalie was dumbfounded. I wasn't sure how to respond to this. But eventually she nodded her head slowly. The toy maker smiled back at this, and from under the table pulled up a thin, green figure, looking as though it had been fashioned from a root that had been bent over itself. Now this, the toy maker began, looking at Natalie, then around at the other guests at the table, was my first Granted, it isn't as sophisticated as the rest of what you see here, for this one only has two wheels, and you have to move it along yourself, but I shall always cherish it. How peculiar, isn't it? 
the toy maker rolled the figure back and forth a few times before returning it to the hidden spot below the table, then moved on. Nellie continued moving about the room, and when she finally felt she'd had her fill, she broke away from the other visitors and made her way outside into the cool, fresh air. Much to her own shock, Nellie noticed the sun was about to set, and she'd wondered how long she'd been in the store. It only felt like a few hours, though. After locating her bike, Nellie pedaled home, where she found her parents chatting in the living room with a newspaper folded neatly on the table before them. Pleasant time? her mother asked. Um, yeah, splendid, Nellie answered, almost absent-mindedly, before heading up the stairs to her room. Once inside, she performed the usual ritual of flipping on the radio and falling into her bed. As the voices from the radio argued in the background, she let her mind bounce back and forth to try to make sense of everything she witnessed at the store. As she retreated deep into her thoughts, she slowly fell into a deep sleep. Someone must have turned the radio off, for when Natalie woke up, her room was silent. She climbed out of bed, pulled her covers down, and as she was about to crawl back in the bed, she heard a faint melody playing, much like the one she heard at the store. Natalie looked around, trying to determine where the song was coming from. She checked her desk, under her bed, behind her dresser, and even turning her record player off and on again just to make sure that wasn't the cause, but the song seemed to be coming from nowhere. Until, out of the corner of her eye, the closet door popped open. Slowly and with much hesitation, Natalie turned towards the closet. The song continued to play, neither increasing or decreasing in volume. But as she made her way over to the closet, the melody suddenly stopped. Natalie froze for a second and listened, waiting for the song to start up again. The room, however, remained silent. After several minutes, Natalie opened the door to the closet and searched through it, finding nothing. After a while, Natalie returned to her bed, pulled the covers up to her chest, and spent the rest of the night listening, all the while playing the song in her head. The following day, she returned to the toy shop, determined to find out something, anything that might have caused the melody to be playing in her closet. Though she wasn't sure how to properly approach the toy maker with her questions, she pondered the questions and played out scenarios in her mind as she rode down the dirt road towards town and the toy store. But much to her disappointment, when she entered the store and inquired about the toy maker, she was told he'd be in later in the afternoon. She decided to wait. It wasn't worth the risk of missing him. All day she waited, all the while going from table to table, re-watching the mechanical wonders before her. However, she always had at least one eye on the door, monitoring who was coming in, making sure the toy maker didn't slip in unnoticed. After several hours of waiting, a young man emerged from the back room and kindly told everyone that the store was closing for the evening, but please come back tomorrow. The crowd groaned and reluctantly exited the store to return to their homes. Pushing against the crowd, Natalie approached the young man and inquired again concerning the whereabouts of the toy maker, only to be told that he'd be in tomorrow and to have a good night. Crush, Natalie left the store and made her way back home, slowly. But as she made her way back home on the dirt road, she once again saw the thin green figure she had seen in the forest a few days prior. Rather than stopping to verify the figure was actually there, she pedaled her bike as fast as she could into the trees and didn't stop until she came into a small clearing, not far from where her spot was. Natalie looked around, peering deep into the forest. 
The sun had set and the night hung heavy around her. For several minutes she twisted her body around to see where the figure had vanished to. Finally she saw it in the moonlight stepping back into the forest. Clutching the handlebars she rode as fast as she could to this new spot, yelling at it to wait and please don't move. All this was in vain, however, for once she reached the area the figure was in, it was gone. Again she looked around, hoping to see any indication of where the figure might have gone. There were none. No broken branches or crushed leaves on the ground. It was though the figure was never there. Hopping off her bike, Natalie decided to stealthily walk through the woods, that maybe she could sneak up on the figure before it was able to evade her presence yet again. Gently, she placed her feet on the ground, taking great care not to make any sounds at all, not even using the trees around her to help her keep her balance out of fear of breaking a branch. She made her way through the forest like this for some time when she noticed in the distance a faint glow of a light from a lamp coming from what looked like in the scattered moonlight that found its way through the trees, a small shack. Overrun with curiosity, Natalie found herself drawing near to the shack in the faint glow of the lamplight coming through the window. Then suddenly she saw something pass in front of the window, stop for a second, then move out of sight back into the shack. Natalie continued on her course towards the shack, moving as silently as possible, till she was only a few feet away from the window and peered in. A series of long ropes lined the ceiling like one sees in old printing houses. Yet rather than seeing drying pages attached to the ropes, instead Natalie saw body parts. Heads, arms, legs, and torsos hanging from the lines of all various sizes and designs, all moving of their own accord. Beneath the rows of wiggling body parts, a figure was bent over a table busily working. Even in the faint light, Natalie was able to make out who was at the table. It was the toy maker. As she watched him work, he stopped momentarily to reach up to pull two arms down and place them on the table. A few moments later, she heard something grunt, then wince in pain. The toy maker stepped back into the side to reveal a small creature with long arms, short legs, and a single horn on its head. The creature blinked twice hopped off the table and ran out the open front door and into the dark woods. The toy maker sighed satisfied and rubbed his hands together. Moments later, he made his way towards the back of the shack, pulling a hunchback torso and a small head from the lines. Suddenly he stopped and turned to peer out the window. Nellie wasn't sure if the toy maker could see her or not, for the light was low and she was angled almost behind a tree. For some time, the toy maker stared out the window, and Natalie stared right back. At length, the toy maker lifted his hand, placed a single finger across his lips, and whispered, "Shh," before returning to the table with the head and torso. Natalie stumbled back in the dark forest, not believing what she had seen. Quickly, she ran to her bike and pedaled as fast as she could towards the dirt road and home. She burst through the front door, past her parents sitting in the living room with an unfolded newspaper sitting on the table in front of them, and didn't bother to respond when her mother asked, Pleasant time? With much haste, Nellie made it up to her room, closed the door, and hid under the covers, breathing heavily. Nellie did her best to calm her nerves and think through what she had witnessed in the forest, and wondered if the toy maker had actually seen her, or if it was just a strange coincidence. And, try as she might, Natalie couldn't forget the image of rows of body parts hanging from the ceiling. 
but as her breathing began to slow and she began to have more control over her racing mind, she heard something move then a grunt coming from inside a room as the lights went out. Natalie was too frightened to move. She held her breath as tightly as she could. Again, she heard movement and more grunts. Natalie drew the covers closer to her, but no sooner had she done this that she felt a small hand grab the covers, tugging them back. Staying as motionless as she could, Natalie felt something crawl onto the bed and make its way towards her head, while more hands pulled at the covers. Finally, the struggle to keep the covers on her was lost, she found herself exposed to whatever might be in the room and crawling on her bed. However, once the blanket was gone, all she heard was silence, and whatever was on the bed was now gone. After hearing nothing for several minutes, Nellie opened her eyes and sat up. The room was dark and empty. She wasn't sure if she should leave the bed or not, or to shout out to her parents. Reaching down to pick up the covers that had been thrown on the floor, Nellie stopped and watched the closet door open and a large hand extend out, grabbing the frame and pulling itself into the room. And down at the bottom of the closet, dozens of eyes peering back at her above grisly smiles. Natalie let out a scream, then ran out of the room and down the stairs and onto the dirt road. It was the sheriff that took the call that morning. Generally, he wasn't out on patrol, since it was tough for him to sit in a car all day after injuring his shoulder in an accident the month before leaving him with no choice to stand or walk hunched over. But one of his deputies had a family emergency. So when a couple of hunters called in to report something odd in the woods, he took the call and headed over to the site. Painfully, the sheriff exited the patrol car and zipped up his green jacket. He knew the spot well that he was called to, so it wasn't long before he came to the small clearing the report came from. As he came through the tree line, however, he stopped and instantly jumped back. It took him some time to process what he was seeing. There in the clearing was the body of Natalie, arms stretched out to each side. She lay there looking up at the ring of trees peacefully. She looked as though she was asleep, like she was merely dreaming.